Welcome to the Inside Edge, brought to you by First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now here's your host, Bob McGalligan and Jody Shelley. And welcome back. There you are, right where we left you. This is the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot, uh, ready to get back at it as the Blue Jackets are opening training camp this week at Nationwide Arena. It's already been a very busy week. There's a new coach in place. There's a new attitude, too, as a matter of fact. We'll talk about all of that. But first, I want to welcome in my broadcast partner, Jody Shelley. Jody, how was your summer? It was fantastic, Bob. You know, everyone talks about their summer being so quick, and that means it was good. I mean, uh, you got to enjoy a little downtime. You know, you think the off season is so long when that last game is played and you pack things up and you see the guys leave town, and then you turn around and baseball season's wrapping up. The U.S. Open tennis event is over, and when you know it, training camp is about to start around the National Hockey League. So it was a great summer to answer your question. But this is a, a fun time of year. Uh, September training camp as a player is miserable. You know that song, Wake Me Up When September Ends by Green Day? It used to be the song of, of the theme song of all these athletes that are going out there now. But for us as fans and, and people that work close with the team, it's exciting to get this team on the ice again and really see the challenges of this season and, and watch them move forward. It's extra exciting to get this team back on the ice after the way last year ended, where the Blue Jackets finished with the second-worst record in the league, Fell a spot in the draft lottery. As a matter of fact, the last time we broadcast something together, it was a great time in Nashville yeah. because the Blue Jackets got the guy they were looking for and Adam Fantilli with the third overall pick. And everything was great. And then they hired a new coach in July, 1st of July. Mike, Bob, uh, Mike Babcock was announced officially as the head coach of the Blue Jackets. And unfortunately, in the last couple of days, that ran aground, and that had to change after uh, situations. And actually, it, this is not the way you want to start a training camp whatsoever. But yesterday, John Davidson addressed the media, and this is the way things started for the Blue Jackets. I am very disappointed. We went through a process earlier this summer prior to hiring Mike Babcock as our head coach, but we got it wrong, and that's on us. I can promise you we will learn from this moving forward. I also understand the criticism that we are getting. It is deserved, but we can all, all we can do now is learn from it and do everything we can to help our coaches and players get ready for the season. On a very personal note, this is one of the toughest times I've been a part of in my long dealings and career in the National Hockey League. It's very troubling for me. But we also know and firmly believe that we have a good group. We care about our people. We care about our staff. We've learned a lot as a group. We've learned a lot to help us go forward. And I plan on going forward. Thank you. And the Blue Jackets started that going forward by naming Pascal Vincent as the new head coach to replace Mike Babcock. Uh, Jody, it's been a long week. It was seven days ago that all of this talk started, and then it looked like it died down for a little bit. Then it came really back over the weekend in a big way leading up to yesterday's press conference. But the fact of the matter is um, the Blue Jackets have no choice right now. They've got a new coach. They've got a group of players that's excited, and – you really got to 
you do have to move ahead, as John Davidson says. Uh, it's not – there's a lot of things that aren't going to go away very quickly, but camp is starting – and for the players, for the coaches, it's time to go to work. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. You know, the Columbus Blue Jackets made that hire with Mike Babcock, and immediately there was a lot of question marks. And, of course, he came out of Toronto where he had an eight-year deal. Uh, there were some stories of off-ice with players that didn't like him. And, you know, Yarmo and JD and their group did a thorough investigation in, into Babcock, but it, it seemed to bubble up again here. And they had to move on from from him, and it's unfortunate. You know, the fan base is is so electric and on top of everything. Remember the Fantilli pick, and then the Babcock, and you get the questions about how he's going to be, and everyone's excited because he know he's a great coach. But unfortunately, uh, it just didn't work to get the season started. So he had to move along. And for the Blue Jackets now, Pascal Vincent who's a guy we saw coach a couple games last year when Brad Larson wasn't around. There seemed to be an energy with the team when he was on the ice. I think about him now because Mike Babcock was here for a couple months, and I know he was in Columbus and digging his hands into a lot of the situations and scenarios, getting a game plan in place, breaking down video with these assistant coaches. So for Pascal, he's already got maybe a different view of, from a coach uh, – that's no longer here, but maybe there's a some of that that's he's excited about that he learned uh, from a, from a new voice that, that uh, was was here observing this team. So you know, there's a little bit of that, and maybe he can take that momentum. Plus, his pedigree as a very intelligent guy, very thorough with when he speaks. He's a guy that now is on top of it and getting his opportunity, and that's what this train that's what training camps are about. It's opportunity. So you're right. You say move forward, and you're right. It's been a tough week. I was just at the New York Rangers alumni event, and you know everyone. In the league is asking about what's happening in Columbus. Well, it's been addressed. It's time for us as a team and the fan base to move forward and get excited about these young players because they've put the work in the offseason. The team's been put together. There's been great acquisitions on the blue line. Uh, there's been players that are coming in here we're, we're excited about. And now Pascal Vincent is a, is a man that they've decided can lead this. There'll be no distractions with him, and he's a smart hockey guy. So take the positives today and, and, and make them uh, focus on those and then get momentum because training camp's going to open, and I think everyone around this organization is ready for training camp to open to get the excitement and the noise on the ice. Pascal Vincent almost got this job two other times. Uh, when Brad Larson was hired, he was brought on as an associate head coach. Yarmo Kekalainen said, if there was no pandemic, if we could have done face-to-face -face interviews, maybe Pascal would have won the job at that point in time. He didn't, but he came into the organization, did a great job as an assistant with Brad Larson. Then he was in the running this past summer. Didn't get the job this time either because there was a veteran coach and Mike Babcock that was available, and the organization felt that that's the direction they needed to go in. But yet here he is. And yesterday I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about achieving a dream, maybe not getting there the way that it was planned out. You don't sit as a kid and say, hey, here's the way it's going to happen and uh, something drastic is going to have to happen for someone to move out of the way. You don't think about that. You just think about being there. And right now Pascal is happy to be here. Well, it's been it's been a difficult week. Uh, so you have mixed feelings, right? It's uh, it's you're getting ready all summer to work with a staff, and then first thing you know, it's it's uh, there's a change in the plan. Um, but when I sit back and I reflect on how I feel, um, I'm so excited. And and you know, timing of it is difficult. Uh, don't like to see what what happened. Um, 
But for us as coaches, as a coach, uh, our focus is on moving forward. I've been working for 30 years as a coach. Um, what I know the most is being a head coach. That's what I've done most of my career. Now, being an assistant coach to uh, Claude Noel, Paul Maurice, Brett Larson, and a little bit with uh, Mike Babcock gave me extra tools that I gained from those people so to add to my toolbox and then different ways of seeing the game, different language, different vision, how you're going to uh, play the game and, and approach um, the, 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 the organization on how you're going to have success. Anyhow, um, I feel prepared. I feel ready. I feel excited. Um, feel humbled. Um, and I just can't wait to get going. You have been an assistant coach, and as you said, throughout most of your career, you're very used to being a head coach. What is the difference going from an assistant to a head coach, and especially now you're doing it on the very same team? Yeah, so what I've done over the years is, the first thing is um, I stay true to myself. I, I, I don't play games. Uh, I really don't. Um, this is me. Um, if you see me in a week, it's going to be the same thing. Try to bring uh, positivity and, and, and solutions to the problems, uh, making sure the players are uh, receiving the right messages before the games or practices and all of that. What I tried to do as an assistant was to be the person I'd like to hire if I was the head coach. So that transition from being assistant to a head coach to me is, is it's not an issue at all because that's what I know the most. But there are some differences. I mean, the responsibilities are different, like the culture, uh, making sure that the, the team identity is uh, bang on, and that's what we want to. That's what we want to look like. Um, I mean, everything that concerns like discipline uh, and, and all of that. It falls on my shoulders, and um, and that's what I need to reinforce. As an assistant coach, you're there to help the the head coach. It's a different kind of pressure, and that's why I appreciate so much my time as an assistant coach. It's because before experiencing that uh, job description, you don't really know what they're going through. It's a different kind of pressure. I'm not saying it's less pressure because it's not, but it's a different kind of pressure. Uh, being a head coach, that's a different kind of uh, adventure, um, but it's, um, it's what I know the most. That's I feel natural in sitting in that chair. One of the talking points throughout the summer was for the players on this roster, they were going to get a new set of eyes. They were going to have a coach looking at them that they had not played for, who didn't really know much about most of them and was going to be able to make his own judgments about them. Now that has all changed with you taking over as the head coach. You know many of these players, most of the players, almost everybody in there. And you know what they can do. You know what they're best at, where their weaknesses are. Um, how does that part of it change? Obviously, it's a strength for you, I would think. I think I'm really good at um, leaving the past where it belongs. I, I have a lot of experience at different levels where a player... Um, acquires certain skills over a season and and maybe the results are met 
maybe they're not expectations and all of that and then there, there's your summer and then the following year you see somebody that is almost different like a different player like something happened in the summer is it his training uh, on ice off ice sessions uh, switch in your mindset uh, but there's a different I have lots of examples that okay well he was just average the previous year I don't know what happened in the summer but the upcoming season is just a different person a different player so I don't have any misconception on the players but it's also true on the good side like if you had a good season last year great now that's the that's the foundation that's the expectation we expect you to maintain that and get better so um, I ov obviously have an advantage because I know the, the players, I know them personally, right? I, I speak to them every day, um, but this is a new season. And, and uh, I don't want to say we start from scratch because we don't, um, but everybody's got a blank page. Whether it was good or bad, let's start from scratch and we'll write the history starting Thursday on the ice and going about our training camp. He talks about there um, that, as we talked about, Mike Babcock, if he was going to be the coach, it was going to be a new set of eyes, a guy seeing a team that he really didn't know. Now it's a guy that's very familiar with the team. But as Pascal said, everybody's got a clean slate. He doesn't, he doesn't go with if you had a bad year last year, he looks at you one way, or a good year last year, he looks at you a different way. It is a challenge to go from assistant to head coach, as he and I talked about, but I think it's a challenge that he's up for, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, we've had a chance to be around him for the last two years. I think he's a very genuine human being. He doesn't say things that he doesn't mean, and I think he is a, a guy that really thinks things out before he does them. He's a man with a plan. Yeah, he's thorough, and you can tell even when you you ask the questions and he answered there, he, you know, he's thoughtful and he's answering the question. It's not like he's avoiding them or giving you a an answer that might be stock like he puts thought into that and I think he conducts himself the same way with the players and his approach to the game so you know what he has is he has an understanding of each of these guys as people and I think that's a key for an assistant coach and I think that new head coaches are are finding that that's the best approach to to work, to, to galvanize a group, to get to know people on, on that level uh, away from the rink. And I think he's done a good job of that, but also he mixes that with an understanding of the players and their skill set and maybe, you know, putting them in the best position to achieve things higher than what they would think. And, and I think that, you know, he, he's a guy that challenges himself, expects a lot of himself as a person and as a coach. And I think that's right now exactly what they need. And they're, they'll be re-energized with everything that's gone on. Just the fact that they, they know what they're getting with Pascal, uh, they understand what, how much passion he has and how hard he works. And, you know, he's got the, the – what I love is the team-first mentality. And that, that really is something, when you have that with leadership, especially your coach, uh, it bleeds throughout everyone. So Pascal Vincent, the new head coach of the Blue Jackets. So we've got that part taken care of. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the players and especially some of the veteran ones that are returning here to play under a new head coach. As the Inside Edge continues, it's brought to you by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. 
Welcome back to the Inside Edge, brought to you by First Merchants Bank. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley with you. The players in town, many of them have been for a while. They've been skating, getting ready for this camp that uh, officially will start tomorrow with physicals, but then the first on ice is going to be on Thursday. Um, Boone Jenner, captain of this team, and uh, a lot of things swirling around, obviously, in the past week. Uh, when you're the leader, you've got to – deal with all that stuff. That's just how it is. And Boone Jenner was uh, very quick to step up and talk about the entire situation and about his excitement for the team the Blue Jackets are going to ice later this week. The past week has really probably brought us together closer. Um, pretty proud of the group for that, uh, to be honest. And, um, you know, it's a, it was a different situation. No one's ever been in the spots. And, um, you know, the PA came in and we had lots of talks as a, as a group. And, um, you know, sometimes, like you said, that can bring us closer together. And I think that that was the case for us. So right now, as it stands, I mean, we're, we're looking ahead. Um, you know, I'm sure this can be mentioned a lot, but we're really looking to put this behind us. We have a lot of work to be done, you know, in starting, starting today, but starting Wednesday with camp opens of uh, the team we want to be in how we're going to play this year. And, um, you know, it's, we've still got a better taste from last year. So um, as a group, that's where our focus is. And um, as far as this whole situation, we want to get past it. And, um, you know, I think we're stronger for it. So you met younger guys coming in and, um, you know, we got Severson and Provorov. And um, so it's a, it's a good mix of guys. We've got a lot of guys from last year. But, um, you know, how we're one of the bigger things is everyone's healthy and everyone's back on the ice and um you know that's that's a good sign for us so uh super excited to get going we got um you know some some new bodies fresh bodies that have been you know been great guys and came right in and fit in with us boone jenner blue jackets captain talking about the situation but even more importantly jody what he talked about right there uh the additions of provorov and severson we can talk about the blue line here in a little bit we'll talk about all the position battles coming up but the other thing that he said there is everybody's healthy, yeah. and that's absolutely huge. Well, we know it well here around Columbus and, and the Blue Jackets last year and what was happening. It was just um, they were so depleted, and that was not an excuse. That was actually what was happening. So when you when you have players back and healthy and you hear guys in the room and like Boone appreciating, you know he appreciates Zach Wierenski. Everybody does back and healthy, but it's everyone because, you know, Justin Danforth is a guy who missed a lot last year, and, and – uh, he's one of those spark plugs on the ice when you need that kind of momentum or a guy that can be put in any position at any time. Uh, he brought that, but now he looks around and there's a little more depth, and so he's got to be a little sharper. And So you've got competition, uh, you've got health, and, and <laughs> you can make as many plans as you want. If you don't have the health of the team, your game plan's out the window, and, and especially those key members in those key positions. So for the Blue Jackets now, and I like how we talked about the young players because, you know, that's a captain that understands what those young players are coming into and, and, and getting involved with here in camp. Their first, some of these, a lot of these guys, their first National Hockey League camp, a few of them even their second, third, and fourth. But that's, you know, you identify with them, you get the leadership group to make sure that they're not comfortable, but they know their way around. Because I remember as a rookie, I didn't want to, I, I was never comfortable. I think that helped me a lot. So uh, be uncomfortable, but understand where you have to be and what you have to do. And then just open the doors and let these guys go at it. And I'm really excited to see these players on the ice together uh, and working and competing against each other. And yes, staying healthy. Yeah, and let's stay on that uh, theme right now because Zach Wierenski is healthy. 
Yeah. When Zach went down last year, look, we can say it now, and I think we said it late in the year, and I think we said it during the offseason. You knew when he was done for the year, the Blue Jackets were probably done for the year. Playoff hopes were probably out the window at that point in time. He is that important, or he has been that important, but especially with the decor that was on this team last year. Once you lose that guy, yeah, there's nobody to make up for that guy, right? So he is healthy, and he is well, he's very much, as you'll hear, looking forward to getting back out on the ice here. You know, I was talking with some family and friends this summer. It kind of feels like my rookie year again almost because – uh, I've been away from it for so long. I just kind of have that excitement again. Um, you know, I'm excited to get back on the road, excited to play in buildings and close games and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's one of those things that I've missed for the last few months. Um, you know, the work's been, uh, you know, it's been really good. It's been, I feel really good. I feel healthy. I feel strong right now. Uh, it's been good being here for a few weeks, getting around the guys and getting up to speed. Obviously, not playing in games for a long time. My timing's a little off and things like that, but but it'll come here during camp and during preseason. But just excited to get it going again. Obviously, they brought some guys in this summer. Um, guys are healthy again. I saw in Traverse City the prospects look great. So uh, I think healthy competition and uh, you know that internal competition and battle is uh, it's great for a room. And um, I think it's going to be exciting come camp here. So that is Zach Wierenski talking about uh, well his situation and the team situation. Let me ask you. He takes. He gets a major injury, shoulder injury. He's been skating. He's been slowly coming back. He's on the ice. He mentioned his timing is off. Okay, that's all fine. But what is what is that first hit going to be like for Zach Wierenski in a preseason game? Because players always talk about, and, and you can tell me because you've gone through this too, you talk about all that work that you do, but you haven't been hit the entire time. Yeah. What's the first hit like? Well, it's, hopefully it goes well, and and once he bounces off of it, you feel relieved. Everything's okay. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, all the hard work I put in. The doctors are right. I'm cleared to go, uh, and he'll be banging around a little bit with his. I'm sure he has coming off the summer, just feeling a little bit of contact and testing the sh- that shoulder. But uh, it's a relief because then it's like okay, it's just like you can get that mentally behind you with a couple hits, and then free yourself up a little bit. All right, one more thing I want to talk about in this segment. Boone Jenner mentioned this. He talked about uh, the team being more together, being more galvanized, if you will. And Johnny Gaudreau also talked about that yesterday when he spoke to the media. We had a great few days, you know, meeting together as teammates, uh, young guys, old guys, everyone speaking in the room. And, um, you know, when you go through a situation like this, it's, uh, it's hard, but uh, – you know, you can come together as a team a lot quicker than, than you think. And, uh, you know, having those hard conversations, you know, I think uh, it helped us for the better. And I think, you know, today as a team, you know, we're better than we were a few days ago just with the way we communicated with each other and everything. And, uh, you know, we feel good about going in the season here. One of the reasons I wanted to bring this up to you is because a lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of things I've read, there are people that are concerned about there being factions in this dressing room. Um if the older players didn't have the same opinion as younger players, is that going to be an issue as they start to play games? Boone said they're more galvanized than ever. Johnny Gaudreau just said the same thing. It has brought them together. As a former player, when you go through something in the dressing room, um, and I, I'm not saying you've ever been through anything as, as big as this has gone, but but what is it like? Those conversations more times than not are helpful, aren't they? Conversations are always helpful, but tough conversations uh, within a team, are they're critical. And 
Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't expect there to be a fraction in the room between young and old. I don't think it's ever really that way. I think that's, but I don't, I don't know the information. I'm not in the room. Um, so uh, when I hear Johnny Goodrow say that, you, you know, you put yourself in that shoe where you are a teammate and you've been in awkward conversations, dealing with awkward conversation or situations within there. Every team goes through that with a, through a season. And, uh, of course, sometimes those things have to be said and, and things that need to be aired out, which we did, you would expect to be done a lot more with the National Hockey League or professional teams. But sometimes things can be swept under the rug as far as, oh, let's not talk about that today, or that doesn't need to be addressed. Well, they had issues here that had to be addressed, and that made them talk about things. And maybe you learn more about each other as teammates when you understand that, hey, this I didn't know that this person felt this way about this. And, and it goes with a, within a family, within a team. It doesn't matter. That is critical. So it can be refreshing. And I think there's been coaches in the past, and I think John Tortorella is one, that he can take a lot of those conversations out of the room. I think he's very good at addressing things and, and being on top of it. And that's unique. But when you don't have that, it's up to your leadership and, uh, you know, even some of the younger guys to bring things up and talk about it. And I I think that now talking is one thing, but listening is the other. We're in an age of, yeah, it used to be just talk. And then if you didn't listen as a player, well, you probably weren't going to play. But now it's talk and listen. I think that's, uh, you know, probably these older players learn from younger players just like younger players learn from older players. And I think that's uh, an important dynamic in teams, and especially when you go through something that is as big as what the Blue Jackets just went through. And isn't it fair to say that when you're talking about older players today, it's not like older players when you played. I mean, no. those guys, the older players today are still young players. Yeah. Uh, the older leaders are still younger guys that are still learning to lead. Yes, and I think that's an ever-changing landscape as well. You know, it, you look at Jacob Truba with the Rangers. You know, he's a very confident guy. He, he was in Winnipeg with some older guys. He's, uh, as the captain of the team, he understands the magnitude of the captains who walked before him that wore that crest on the Ranger jersey. And I think that, you know, he has a leadership group, much like here, that understand uh, the importance of including everyone. And I always go back to Zdeno Chara. I mean, he was probably the last of the old school, uh, older guys as a captain in the National Hockey League. And I used to love reading that he would, and I would, didn't agree with this earlier in my career, He would. there was no, like, initiating the rookies as far as, you know, they're, we're going to make them get off the bus last or um, – Whatever it is, just some little simple things, just to make sure they understand they're working their way into the league. He was very adamant, saying, "No, they're a part of this. Like this is immediately we need them to win a, a championship. So immediately they're a part of this group. So leadership has changed a lot, and I think it's you know you have players from all over the world, all backgrounds of life, and all different things happening. And I think it's important to be in tune and in touch with a lot of these players. And maybe that's where Boone got something, and Johnny and Zach. Uh, from these discussions that they talked about that galvanize them, that you learn about your teammates a little quicker. And, and that's really uh, an important part of coming together as a team. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the position battles in this training camp. There are a lot of players, and there's not a lot of spots, quite frankly. Who's going to grab those spots? We'll give you our opinions as the Inside Edge, brought to you by First Merchants Bank, continues here on 97.1 The Fan. 
Welcome back to the Inside Edge, brought to you by First Merchants Bank. The Blue Jackets getting set to open training camp tomorrow with physicals, and then they will be on the ice for the very first time on Thursday as a full group. Jody, this roster has uh, a lot of players on it, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, and there, and right now there are a lot of guys that are here. Uh, they know they're going to be going back to junior. They're going to be going somewhere else. That They know that, but they're going to have an opportunity to showcase themselves here early in camp and maybe get into one of these first preseason games. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, here's a guy you mentioned earlier, Justin Danforth. Justin Danforth comes in here last year as somebody that's got a spot, earned the respect of the coaching staff and his teammates, gets injured very early, season comes to an end. While he is out, now you've got uh, Matthew Olivier kind of uh, solidifying himself as a fourth-line guy. Eric Robinson solidifying himself over there. Liam Foodie comes in, catches fire near the end of the year, becomes a better player. You've also got Emil Bemstrom that's looking to fit in there somewhere. So, you know, especially when you get down into the – we don't even know who the Chinnikoff, top – Chinnikoff, Sillinger. Yeah, we don't know who the top six is going to be right. officially. Uh, you know that Line A and Goudreau, they're going to be a part of it. And um, Fantilli. Does yeah. he get a chance? Does Fantilli get a chance to be in the top Baronkoff six? as a centerman, yeah. does he get a chance? Mar- can Marchenko pick up where he left off last year? Because when, when we last left him, he was a first-line right winger. But who knows? Right, and you think Kent Johnson would be in that top six as well? Uh, you, you know, you would think Marchenko is going to be up there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, all these positions, it's a good problem to have because, again, the youngest team in the National Hockey League, uh, but a lot of understanding with young players you know, Cole Sillinger's going into his third year pro already. And he's experienced the ups and downs of the National Hockey League quickly in two seasons. Uh, he's a guy that got a concussion day one in camp last year, if you recall, and that really set him back. But now what's he come into? And I remember as a player, Bob, the uneasy feeling of seeing new players walk in, players get drafted, talked about, hyped up. Uh, you know, no one knows about Voronkov in this locker room, really. He doesn't speak much English. Uh, he just came in from uh, Russia, where he did great things over there. He's a big centerman who likes to play nasty. Well, who doesn't like that? But is he going to fit in and squeeze players out? So, uh, Crowley, I mean, he's a solid He's a solid fourth-line guy. Of course, Robinson, does he get to move up? Where is he going to be in the lineup? Olivier's going to get a chance. I don't think he's uh, – I'm not sure if he's fully healthy for camp, but I think he, he's going to be close. So a lot of those players get a chance to get come in and, 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 and prove themselves – but also the expectations on a lot of these guys have gotten higher. And that's where Pascal Vincent now, who knows these guys, of course they get a clean slate. But there's a way with a new coach to rewrite where you're slotted. And maybe, you know, and Danforth, I think of, of him, of course, because it's easy to forget or not include a lot of these players when you have players. Texier's back. Yeah. You know, I mean, Texier's back and excited to, to get things going. Um, who so, have you not mentioned? There's one guy we haven't mentioned. Patrick Laine? No, we, we kind of <laughs> mentioned him. Jack Roslevic. Yeah, Roslevic. Where does he fit in? So, you know, there's a lot of those players that uh, are – it's going to be an uneasy – you're going to have heartburn a few days this week. And it's one thing to start camp and get your medicals done and know that your fat test is good and you can go have a cheeseburger and, you know, maybe they don't, but whatever. It's good to know that. Uh, but once you get in the mix and you want to play preseason games and one goes well and one doesn't, and now you see cuts and this, you know, you're still, you realize you're in a battle. That's when you have an organization that's moving on the, on the up. And, and that's what they have. Young players that are nervous and older players who are wondering uh, where they fit in. 
Yeah, and it will be very interesting to see the guys that Cole Sillinger, uh, Yegor Chinikov, these are guys that could be sent to the American Hockey right. League without having to clear waivers. How much does that factor in? I think that only factors in if you're playing at the same level as somebody else. And Voronkov is another guy that can go down there, and maybe they do what they did with Marchenko. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But um, but everybody, you, you've got to be on a, on a straight line with somebody. If one of those guys is out playing somebody else, then there's a problem. Or if you're playing so poorly that, that the other guy is head and shoulders above you, you know you're going to the American Hockey League right. right now. Yeah, no, that's – that's the reality of it, and that's where you don't want to end up to, to start the season. And you spend off, all off season trying to hang on to your roster spot or steal one. And a lot of these injured guys, you know, Zach Wierenski, of course, a number one defenseman is coming back, and he's got his spot. But, you know, where does Dan Forth slot in on this lineup? Texier, welcome back from, from Europe. He played in Switzerland last year. A lot of people are excited about him. But let's see how he fits into this. It's a different team than when he was here last. Yeah, big-time different team than he was here last. There's no question about that. Let's talk about the defense, too, because, you know, with the additions of Severson and Provorov, you know they're going to be in there. Get Branson is slated as being that guy on the right side on the third pair. So you've got uh, – there are a number of question marks. Yeah, Andrew Peak is one of those guys that jumps out. Jake Christensen's a guy who's got some time. You're a check we're waiting on. Tim Burney we saw last year. I mean, where do they fit in? And then you got Jake Bean and Adam Boquist. So there's only six spots back there. Right, and you can do the math, and the players are doing the math as well, where you bring in two National Hockey League defensemen, which it's hard to do. I mean, that's you have to really put in an effort to go find two full-time NHL defensemen. One was a number one in Provorov, who should be a three, and I think he slots in exactly right here in Columbus. And, and you know, he's a guy that was picked right after Zach Wierenski in that 2015 draft. I mean, he's got a lot of upside, so that could be a very, very good pick. And, and then when you look at the other guys that they've had, uh, you mentioned Good Branson. Uh, but I always think about Bean and Boquist because, you know, they did a good job here when, when healthy and in the lineup, but they've got to feel a little bit nervous uh, about everyone else back and trying to find ice time and finding that spot. So it's an uneasy an uh, living in the National Hockey League for a lot of these players. And the, the question of the unknown of where they're going to fit in, they've got to figure out and make, and make those happen. When you talk about Bean and Boquist, um, here's the advantage Jake Bean has. He's a left-handed shot. Okay. And they're, they need somebody to play on the left side. And if you look at last year, Remember, Andrew Peake moved over there and tried to play it as a right-handed yeah. shot. Didn't work out. Boquist tried to do it. He struggled with it. Nick Blankenberg was the only right-handed shot that had moderate success at playing on the left side last year. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So you got those guys. Uh, Jake Bean, if he can play well, does he get a chance to step in there? Does that give him an advantage? And if you're Boquist or any of those other guys, Boquist, Peake, whatever, if David Yurchek wins a job here, well, then that really upsets the apple cart because, as it is, your check's one of those guys I talked about earlier, could go to the American Hockey League right. again without any waiver clearing. So, But if he makes this team, then it becomes a more crowded field. We haven't talked about Blankenberg. I mean, he's one of those players, too, that, want, you know, he made a great impression when he came in here. So two spots are gone for the Blue Jackets, and they're six as far as Severson and Provorov. You got Wierenski, that's three. So now you got three spots available, and Andrew Peak is going to be interesting where he fits in. Svozel's one of those players as well. Yeah, that's right. He Another got a little guy. taste. Yep. Uh, Matejchuk. 
So they've got, I mean, I hate to say it, but they've got a great problem with a lot of D that, that are, of course, you got the NHL guys, but you're right. The surprises is could could push some of those guys that we've seen in this lineup uh, maybe into a trade. And that's why it's going to be no days off for anybody during this camp. Right. You better be here to work because if you're not, somebody's going to outwork you, and that's the last thing you want to happen. All right, we're going to come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. We are brought to you this year by First Merchants Bank, and I want to thank them for being part of this show. Uh, we had a chance to meet a couple of their personnel over the summer, Jody. Uh, they're excited about it. We're excited about it. And uh, we're just happy to have you as a new partner this year. Yes. they're. Uh, you know what? They're, I love that. They're excited to be a part of the Inside Edge and, and what we bring each week to our fans. And it was nice to meet them and, and connect, not just for them, for us. It was a... So we're proud to uh, try to bring our bre- best product every week, Bob, and I think you do that. Well, thanks. I think you do too. <laughs> and we got, and, and we'll have one of the books here in just a couple of minutes. That's so right. then, then they'll they can tell us how we did. All right. <laughs> There's one position we haven't talked about. It is the most crucial position on this team, and that's goaltending. Mm-hmm. Elvis Merzlikens, Daniil Tarasov, Merzlikens. It's been a roller coaster for him in the National Hockey League. Uh, he he dipped down last year. He has got to raise his game. Uh, Daniil Tarasov, it has been a battle to stay healthy. That's what he has to do. Aaron Dell comes in on a PTO, a professional tryout. They still need somebody that can go between the American League and the National League as a third goalie. Is it going to be him? Will it be somebody else? Who knows? But how do you see that position? Well, I think it's one of those things. We talked about a clean slate. Well, this is a clean slate. And I I have a soft spot for the goaltenders. And that might sound, I know. I've never heard you say I that know. before. But you know what? You need to have structure in the defensive zone to for the five guys in front of you to get the puck out of the zone cleanly. And when you have, well, you've got Warinsky, number one D, and, and puck mover with his feet and his hands and his head to get the puck out of the zone and make plays, settle things down. Uh, he's out. And I'm not going to go through all the players that out, but when you have the regulars out and a new system and coach trying to implement new things in the D zone, and then the goaltender, it, it just looked disconnected. And I know the focus was the D zone, picking up two good horses back there in Severson and, and Provorov. I think structure and clientele can help the goaltender. I look at what Vegas did last year with their goaltenders, uh, and they won the Stanley Cup. You always look at the Stanley Cup champion. But... They did an excellent job of sticking with their structure in front of their goaltender. And when the puck finally got to him, he needed to just make that save, you know, and be there. Um, and there wasn't a lot of – there was grade-A chances, of course, there was going to be. And I, I watched – I did that uh, Edmonton Oilers series. And it's incredible to see that a team that's on the same page and how hard they are to play, play against in their own end and how they can get it out of their own, own end so quick. And that's why the goaltender position – I know Bobrovsky's in Florida and he's making that big money, but you're seeing teams now, Carolina's another one, where they're so structured, uh, they rely on each other to help keep the puck out of the net and get pucks out of their zone, and it's more of a team effort. And I think that that's something that the Blue Jackets' mentality as goaltenders, if they can have that mentality and the team can play that way in front of them, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, that's a great point. And you talked about Vegas. They went through six guys last year. Aiden Hill. Six. Six. 
I know. And, and you know, the talk was, can Aiden Hill hold down the fort? Well, well, yes, he can, because the fort is very clear in front of him. And he's got some really, really good players in front of him as well. Yeah. Petrangelo was like, he was like half a goalie because he was so smart. <laughs> such a great player. Underrated defenseman in the National Hockey League, which I think we could have here in Columbus with Provorov, Severson, and, and Wierenski, and whoever's going to be out there with him, good Branson. Yeah, I agree with that, and the reason is size. That's what size. they had. That's what Vegas was winning with, and you know that this is such a copycat league. Everybody wants size. Well, it's line. never gone away. Right. Size and character have never gone away from the National Hockey League, and, you know, it's hard to find it. And I think a lot of teams are trying to shift that way, and the Blue Jackets have done a nice job with that in the offseason on their D. Before we wrap up here uh, today, I wanted to ask you, we always talk about the league right near the end of the show. Mm. Former teammate of yours was named captain of the St. Louis Blues, Braden Shen. Yeah, well-deserved. Now, I think of Braden Shen as a young kid with a lot of questions. Uh, but he came in and won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. His brother's got a couple in different parts. Uh, I think he was in Tampa. Was it both in Tampa? I, don't, I forget. But Luke and Braden Shen, two of the great kids in the National Hockey League. And Braden Shen... All those questions he asked when he was a kid are finally paying off. Good for him because, you know, he had Craig Berube, who he knows really well. Uh, so that's an important relationship for him. Craig is still hard on him, uh, but I think uh, Braden will do a fantastic job because he understands as a uh, just a good character guy. He's, he's, he reminds me a lot of uh, Boone Jenner in ways, maybe just a little quieter. You think he's still eating healthy during camp? Yeah, he's the, one of the players that uh, my first experience with Kale in a buffet line in an NHL practice facility, him and his brother were, I mean, I thought they were looking at a chocolate Sunday bar, but they were looking at this crinkled up green uh, lettuce with spikes on it. And I'm like, what? They're like, it's Kale. They got Kale. And I, I said, oh boy, I'll skip that. You guys, and, you guys can have the whole dish. So I would I would say he's probably eating healthier than us. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. I, for me, I, I guarantee he's eating healthier than I am. Jody, thank you very much. Great to be back, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Let's do it, Bob. Thank All you. All right, Blue Jackets on the ice on Thursday. Don't forget their first two preseason games are going to be on Sunday afternoon game in Pittsburgh against the Penguins, and then a seven o'clock game at Nationwide Arena on Sunday night. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge, brought to you by First Merchants. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot. Thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.